What's up, guys? Rachel Lindsay here, and I am teaming up with your favorite Ringer podcasters to deliver the Bravo drama and news that you've been craving on Morally Corrupt. It's the show about all things Bravo, from the housewives to summer house and everything in between. We'll be mentioning it all every week. Check it out on Spotify and TheRinger.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay authenticity guarantee, you can trust that feeling of reals always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to Ringer Dish. I'm Juliette Littman. I am joined today by the mother of dragons, the co-host of House of R, Miss Mallory Rubin. Mallory, welcome to Ringer Dish. Juliet, thank you for having me. It's a delight to be with you on a podcast as always. And what an absolute thrill it is to be with you in person. In person. It's been so long since we last did this. I honestly yeah. can't recall when it was, but I'm delighted. We have gathered here today because Stranger Things is returning. That's right. Very soon. Stranger Things season five? Four. Four. Sheesh. Season four, volume one. Volume one. It'll yeah. be back again in July. That's right. You will be covering this on Ringerverse. Yep. How annoying is it that it's a drop, but it's not a week by week? You know, over here in podcast land, as you know, there's nothing quite like a weekly release we in terms it. of fueling and sustaining content. It keeps us going. <laughs> so it's truly fuel for the ringer. It is the combo of a binge drop, which actually we haven't really really had to deal with during the entire lifespan of the Ringerverse. Yes, yeah, thanks and, Disney Plus. And uh, that coupled with Stranger Things dropping the exact same day as the two-episode premiere of what I think is fair to say one of the most anticipated shows of your nerd, lifetime? nerddom your, period. Your lifetime? Yeah, Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's unfortunate. And yet, I remain quite enthused for Stranger Things to return for the first time in nearly three years. It's been a minute. I can't believe it. So it's yeah. since it's since uh, July, July of 2019 was season three. Shocking. Crazy. I know. And we you'll be covering what happened previously on the show and then this new season volumes one and of course two when it comes in July. But we're here today to talk about the cast and the stars because these kids 
broke onto the scene in 2016 with so much force. It was I, like, I can only imagine that this is sort of like, will never happen again. Mm-hmm. And here we are, how many years later is it? Six? And so for like Millie Bobby Brown, we met her when she was what? Like 11, playing 11. And like over 50% of her life at the time has now elapsed. Like she was 11. Now these kids are like much older. I think she was 11. I'll look that up in the course of this. But it's so crazy. Like so infrequently do you watch stars grow in these like formative years while staying on the same show. Mm -hmm. And so it's like such a bizarre celebrity experience. Plus the adults like on the show, like David Harbour, Winona Ryder, like, you know, there's been Carrie Elways, like there's there's so many elements of celebrity to this that we want to break down. But I just like, the only thing I can really think of that's similar to this, it's probably like 90210. But mm. what I was going to say is you watch, you you just did the rewatchables with our colleagues, yes. Bill Simmons, Sean Fennessy and Chris Ryan on ET. Check that out. And Drew Barrymore is kind of like, I think for our generation, one of the most famous child stars turned adult celebrity. So right. I assume you've been thinking about this. Like, who do you think in this cast yeah. has the ability to be a Drew Barrymore and, like, have a career her whole life or his whole life, hopefully avoiding the rehab phase that Drew Barrymore had? What a great and interesting question. You know, I will just say to stall and not answer your question. Well, you know, instead I, just... I didn't tell you I'd be asking. Also, I didn't think of it until right now. So. It's, no, it is a great question. I was. I, I think the, the 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 staying power of child stars is always a fascinating thing to assess. But I will just say more broadly, because you raised E.T., watching E.T. a couple times this past weekend to prep for rewatchables, and I'm currently going through a Stranger Things rewatch, which I have to say is a treat and a joy. It's Season, a really fun show. <laughs> Season one... I'm midway through through season two of my rewatch right, right now. Season one is like pr- pretty close to a perfect season of TV. That yeah. is just wonderful. And the debt that Stranger Things owes to E.T. cannot be overstated mm-hmm. in ways both big and small. And it is so fascinating to really see and observe the connections from riding your bikes with your friends through your neighborhood that becomes this land of wonder and awe and magic to the actual examination of some sort of alien life form or an alternate dimension, whatever the case may be, who can last in the truest alternate dimension, which is, of course, not the upside down, but mainstream celebrity. <laughs> now, what? that is a question. I I mean... <sighs> Should we go over the options? Yeah. There's Millie Bobby Brown, who I just want to say she was 12 when yes, Stranger Things came out. So she was 11 while filming it as 11. So I wasn't completely off base. <laughs> There's Millie Bobby Brown. She yes. was immediately a star. Breakout star. She was rapping Nicki Minaj on social media. She became a fashion darling. Immediate star. Finn Wolfhard, yep. Mike Wheeler, the emotional heart of the show, at least to me. Interesting. Uh, I think he's the fulcrum on which the show rests. Even if you don't love Mike, like, I mean, I think probably uh, Dustin is like the most lovable. Mm-hmm. But... Mike is, like, the guy. You gotta, like, root for his success, therefore root for everyone's success. Hmm. Anyway, there's Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> there's Gatton Matarazzo, who's uh-huh. adorable. Kalen McLaughlin. And Noah Schnapp. And then right. I guess we can throw and in And now Sa- Sadie. Sadie yeah. Yeah. Sadie yeah. Sink. I think that Sadie Sink is probably... Max is fully in the party. Max yeah. is fully in the clutch of Taylor Swift. Mm. I mean, landing the role of the starring role in the all-too-well 10-minute film... It's no small feat, honestly. Like, I think that's, like, a pretty big deal if you recall when Taylor Swift did the re-release 
of Fearless all too well came with a 10-minute video, which she, like, premiered in theaters, and Sadie Sink was the lead in it. That's, like, a pretty big look. And, you know, Sadie Sink has now been in Stranger Things, which, you know, is one of the most watched shows in the history of Netflix and the history of streaming. And the All Too Well film, I mean, like, those are probably two overlapping but fairly discreet fan bases, the Taylor Swifty diehards and the millions of people who watch Stranger Things. So, like, could you make the case that Sadie Sink has been seen by the most number of people? Like, I think you can. Mm, Interesting. but she didn't start in season one, so I feel like she's her starting point is different in terms of like the well, Drew that was Barrymore be comparison. Part of my question uh, to 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 volley it back to you for the Drew Barrymore comp: Does it have to be somebody who was there from the very beginning, season one? And again, because Gertie is the youngest character yeah. in ET, does it have to be contained to the party? the group of peers, are the older kids out of consideration? Like Natalie Dyer, Joe Keery, yeah. Charlie Heaton. Yeah, because I think there's a... And of course, the wonderful spawn of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke, Maya, Maya, Maya Hawke, that's, that's her right. name, right? Yeah. I she think, was fantastic. Yeah, I think there's a pretty, pretty easy case to make that one of the older kids might have the most staying power in terms of just an acting career. Well, but Joe, that's not really your question. Your no. question was specifically about celebrity. Who and, and I think I think Joe Keery, I think he'll have the best acting career. I think he'll be able to make interesting choices. We were talking before the pod started. He was in Free Guy. I just feel like he's like he just has that like sort of white guy confidence, you know, that I think will carry him far and there'll always be roles for. He's also very like unthreatening and sort of like a total perfect teenage hero because there's he doesn't have like a lot of virility to him in my opinion unlike Charlie Heaton and so there's like he just kind of uh he's like the Dawson to Charlie Heaton's Pacey in my opinion oh interesting yeah yeah Charlie Heaton is a I think a a fascinating presence in the show and I I, I'm quite invested in in Jonathan's arc I I think to your point about Joe Keery like one of the great magic tricks of Stranger Things to this point is the reinvention and redeployment of Steve as a character, right? So great. And that's a testament to his charm and the very organic, authentic affection that he was able to build up with Dustin and other members of the cast that was just not a thing that the Duffer brothers would have been able to anticipate when they were crafting the show. And so when you have that level of uh, just unflinching, unceasing charisma... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that bodes well for your career, but also your viability as a celebrity because it makes people who are consuming your content or tracking you on your social media platforms or whatever feel drawn to you as well. But are we overcomplicating this? Like, you tell me. See, I am here as a guest. I'm here to to travel this winding, sprawling vine, much like Hopper. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm looking at the, the blight on the pumpkins. You're the true celebrity expert. I know very little very about nice the world of, of celebrity. That's so untrue. <laughs> you just, everything I just said was a statement of fact. But, no. The difference is that you study these things from the perspective of storytelling and yeah. world building. Yes. And the world that I'm inhabiting is already built. And it's the, it's the world of celebrity. Who is the mind flyer in the world of celebrity? <laughs> what is the veil of shadows? It's, it's all around you and you don't even know it. But, like, to that point... And you can tell me if this is an oversimplification. Are we are we overcomplicating it? Is it is the answer not Millie, who Millie is clearly the, the breakout of the show to date, I think clearly the most famous of the young stars. I guess your question is ultimately will that prove lasting the way it has for Drew Barrymore? 
To this point, though, that would seem like the right pick. See, I wonder if it's Noah Schnapp. That's like the dark horse pick. Noah Schnapp is incredibly popular on TikTok. Like, he does mm. like all the dance trends. He plays the game. I, someone in the the latter, the back half of my 30s, know that he's going to Penn because I like read about it on page six. Like, Interesting. He's, he's going, I, I know a lot about him, though I don't even like consume his content. Right. Whereas I'm like, what's been Billy Bobby Brown really been up to since the last couple of years? And like Noah Schnapp, it's almost like he's doing the Natalie Portman where child star mm-hmm. goes to college, will resume career. And like, okay. sure, I watched Millie Bobby Brown's in Enola Holmes. That movie sucked. Uh, I mean, it, it just did. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but Millie not only has the Enola Holmes content machine now, she's in like, multiple Godzilla movies, part of the, the monster hive there, right? Noah Schnapp is not actually making as many new projects. Right. As Millie or Finn. Sure. Finn, I think, has, in terms of just projects, Finn's Finn has the, the best case Finn that he's going to keep working, right? He's, in, he's been yeah. in Ghostbusters movie. He was in It. He was in, of course, I mean, the Goldfinch is young Boris. Tragic. <laughs> Boris, one of our Tragic. all-time favorite yeah. literary favorite, figures. Favorite a character. shared passion of yeah. ours. <laughs> Wonderful book. You have around the Goldfinch. Seek it out immediately. It's an incredible, incredible book. But so, like, let me ask you this because I want to learn from you, Juliet. How crucial is that element, is that variable to the overall equation? Making major movies and shows, how big of a piece of the celebrity relevance pie is that ultimately? Or in the new day and age that we currently inhabit, is being very present on TikTok and Instagram and page six, the currency by which you measure celebrity today? I think... I think that for the, you're making an important distinction. Like, the, who's going to have the best career is one conversation. Who's going to be the biggest celebrity is another. Right. Because, you know, I think it's undeniable that, like, Claire Danes has a much better career in terms of film than Kylie Jenner. But Kylie Jenner is a way, way bigger celebrity. Right. Although they both would be at the Met Ball, right? Like, I think that's, like, figuring out where all of these intertwine is kind of interesting. And so I think, like, Noah Schnapp is, like, is likely to be an actor— I bet he goes into TV. I feel like if you are, or stays in TV, I should say. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you're, if you are Will Byers and yep. you are like, you know, he's not the titular character, but like he basically is. However, it's like, you know, because he's in the Upside Down, he's barely in season one. Like, I feel like you parlay this critical but secondary role into some other TV show, like for a very, a very cushy eight episodes a year while also like getting to do the college thing and being on TikTok. So I feel like that's where he's headed. I feel like he's like, he should stay in the Netflix system. But I feel like someone, you know, I think Finn Wolfhard's trying really hard. I don't know, no pun intended. I don't know if it's working, but I feel like he <laughs> will have a probably a more interesting career. He's in a band too, right? Yeah. Making music. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. 
That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I think undeniably, Gaten Matarazzo as, Hun- as Dustin and Caleb McLaughlin as Lucas are like mm-hmm. adored. Adored. Yeah. There's, like, nothing you can really say about, like, their performances and and the roles they're given that's not just, like, pure joy and fun. And yet, I just feel like they are not big enough stars. Like, I know that Gate and Matarazzo has done some hosting on Netflix and whatnot, but, like, Mm -hmm. why aren't they in the blockbusters? I think that Dustin, in particular, strikes me as the most likely. Though, I don't know. I think Mike would probably fall into this category, too. Now I'm using their character names. To fall into, like, the Harry Potter effect, Mm. right? Where it's like, you will forever be Harry Potter. You will forever be Ron Weasley. Now, Daniel Radcliffe has actually broken out of you are Harry Potter. But part of the way he did that was by making Equus. Right. (laughs) The West End. Bearing it all. Harry show in the world has won, (laughs) you know? So I think... Part of being a child star and then carving out something new is waiting for that thing to end or at least move toward its concluding point and then really making some choices to say, this is who I am as an actor. Part of what is interesting about the Stranger Things experience, and this, of course, connects to the journeys for the kids, but more broadly, this is true for the show, is that there was just this this wide swath of time in which we knew nothing about what the future of the show was going to be, right? There was speculation, how long would the show run, but it's only very, very, very recently that we learned definitively the show would end in season five and that season four would be released in two volumes mm-hmm. and that it would be the longest season to date in terms of episode heft, et cetera. And we would get, and that uh, that information came note from the Duffers. Yes, via a typed up note from the Duffer brothers that I have to say I found very affecting and sweet. Really lovely. It made me emotional. It won't shock you to hear. Especially the final paragraph about the journey we've been on with all of the characters who I love and adore. So now that show. we know that, right, we're going to get volume one, Memorial Day weekend. Volume two comes out in July, and then there will be a stretch of 
who knows how long, to make the final season. And then that will be it. So now the kids all know that. Their agents know that. Their managers know that. Now is the time for them to start figuring out what's next. But I don't think it's too late for Gaten or any of these kids who are incredibly, I think, not only competent, but charismatic performers, right? They're really winning. They draw you in to remain present in our lives, especially in the peak TV streaming area where there, era where there are 400 new shows every year. Like, no one's going to have a hard time finding work, I don't think. Also, for those two, for, for Gaten and Caleb, maybe they're doing it right by taking it easy through their formative teenage years while still remaining, you know, working actors. And then in their 20s, they'll have, like, these huge careers. I mean, I don't want to see a world without Gaten Matarazzo. He's, like, so delightful. You know? Yeah. I mean, will it shock you, though, if in six years he's in an MCU show on Disney Plus? No. no. Of course not. Yeah. Sounds like a great outcome for him. Yeah, it'd be wonderful. <laughs> Do you think that Natalia and Dyer and Jonathan, or what's his name? Charlie Heaton. Charlie Heaton. I yeah. Just, again, I'm confusing them uh, with their characters. Do you think they expected more fame due to their uh, showmance? Well, I don't know if they expected more fame because of the showmance, but I was curious to ask you about the the comparative chasm mm. between the Instagram followers and social media followers that the younger stars have compared to the older kids yeah. who are tracking somewhere between like four to six million Instagrams followers compared to 20 15, and 20, yeah. 48 for, for Millie, I think, right? So is that, how much of that has to do with the audience and I think where the viewers are? I think a funny thing about Stranger Things is like most Netflix hits are either heavily skew female, most of the ones that you don't hear about as much, and that's like Sweet Magnolias, Virgin River, and Bridgerton's the most famous, obviously. But those skew older. I think one of the things that's remarkable about Stranger Things is it skews younger. Like, kids who were the ages of the Stranger Things kids were watching the show. Right. It's like, it is a truly, like, family fair, which is one of the reasons why it's such an impressive show, I think. And so as a result, I think that such a huge number of, of um, like, TikTok native users, like, right. are the peers of the, of the gang of kids. And so they drive that that engine. And that's also one of the reasons why these kids have so much potential is because for Hollywood and for marketing and for branding, like they have the following that that people crave, which mm-hmm. is kids. So the Bridgerton corollary is a really interesting one because I'm always struck that the stars of Bridgerton don't have more aren't followers. Famous, yeah. And I don't quite understand that, though. Maybe it's exactly what you just said, which is the people who watch Bridgerton aren't spending as much of their time on Instagram, maybe, as you would think. And maybe I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm skewed, I think, toward the Instagram so, demo, which is not the you know what's really funny? primary driver. The behind-the-scenes videos that have gone viral from Bridgerton are TikToks from one of the younger Bridgerton sisters. It's the young woman who plays Hyacinth Bridgerton. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she has these TikTok videos of the cast, like, singing and, you know, typical TikTok fair. But she is, like, barely on the show. Like, she is not Simone Ashley. She is not Phoebe Dinnerberg. She is not Jonathan Bailey. She right. is, you know, she's not even Nicola Coughlin. And so I do think there's a huge age factor here. And, like, I wouldn't be surprised if that young woman, I forget the name off the top of my head, goes on to be, like, you know, massively more famous by the sort of, like, celebrity standard we set earlier in this pod versus someone like Simone Ashley, who I think is, like, a genuinely talented actress who will have, like, a long career. Mm -hmm. I mean, and Jonathan Mm -hmm. Bailey's so talented, too. Love him. Um, But I think this also brings up something else that we were remarking on a couple of weeks ago uh, with Love is Blind, which we love. 
It's a very special, <laughs> very special television program. We love Love is Blind. We had a big Love is Blind phase as a company, yeah. as a group of friends, phase. as a texting duo, you know? Uh, What'd you say? Fa- phase makes it sound like there's an expiration date well, that has come and gone. I certainly hope that's not the case. I think it kind of it has expired, though. When's the last oh, time you no. thought about Shane and Natalie? Just now when you asked me. And previously, probably when I podcasted with you about it. That was two months ago. Whereas (laughs) Jessica from season one of Love is Blind has like a level of like notoriety and fame Mm -hmm. that sustained her for much longer. And I bring this up because it's all to say that it is much harder to launch like a social media fame off of the back of Netflix now than it was two years ago and certainly in 2016. Right. Like, Right. It's just a lot, a lot harder. Like, I, you know, right. I have, like, reality stars come and go. If anyone was going to, like, stick with them, it would be me. And I don't follow, like, any of those people. Mm. And it's just, like, it's just very difficult. And so I think that's another reason why the original Stranger Things kids, so mm-hmm. Mike, Dustin, Caleb, Eleven, who am I forgetting? Will. Will. Yeah. yeah. That's the crew, right? Yeah, from season one. Yeah, from yeah, season and one. Max joins in season two. Right. Yeah. Like, that will be really hard to replicate because it was just a, just a different moment in time. Right. And so, even if, like, there was a Marvel show with kids, like, I, I don't even know if this would happen. Yeah. Young Avengers. Let's go. Let's get Mike into the <laughs> Young Avengers. Why the fuck not? Why isn't Finn Wolfhard more beloved? I mean, he's got 20 million Instagram followers. But is that it? But, like, is he beloved? I think the whole cast is beloved. I guess yeah, it's, again, are, it's but, sort of... But as a group, they definitely are. Like, yeah. it was such a, when they would, like, walk red carpets together, that was a thing. I think that... So I was having... This is, a, this is a bit of a different thing, but I do think it's connected. I was having an interesting conversation with our colleague Ben Lindbergh the other day. This was about planning coverage for TheRinger.com. What a great website. And Child one of ben. the observations that Ben made, I hope he's okay with me sharing this take on a podcast, is that... He's in the process of assigning this piece, so hopefully you'll read this on The Ringer soon. It basically was like, did Stranger Things fumble the bag, right? Because, and, and like, to be clear, not all of the delays are in the, the control of anybody making Stranger Things. Many, many, many television shows had really long delays because of COVID, of course, right? Stranger Things has been off of our screens for so long that that affection is intact, I think, yeah. for all of the the members of the cast. But they have just been away for so long. And in that period of time, a couple things have happened. One, and you know more about this than I do, but I think this is fair to say, based on recent news stories and whatnot, the, the cultural relevance of Netflix has drastically Absolutely. changed amid the rise of other streamers, right? And, and other factors as well. Two... We are in the nerd boom. Mm-hmm. There are more. Don't we know it? IP shows <laughs> and Marvel and Star Wars and House of the Dragon is coming back. And we're getting a Lord of the Rings show. It's everywhere all the time, right? So it's so many DC properties, et cetera. On and on the list goes. The Boys is coming back. Every I love the Boys. Me too. I love the Boys. Every streamer has their few, their handful of nerdverse properties and every one of those things spawns an expanded universe, which, crucially, Stranger Things was not able to successfully do. The biggest pushback against Stranger Things to date in terms of the actual content was the effort to expand beyond Eleven to bring in 
eight, right, in season two. Now, I personally am still interested in them expanding the world beyond Hawkins and this cast of characters. I think they can do it well. Maybe it was just too soon. Something about that exact balance was off. But this should be the moment where Stranger Things is more relevant than ever. And I still think, like, I'm really excited for Stranger Things season four. I think it will be a really big show. But I don't think you could in good faith say that the level of hype and anticipation is anything close for season four to what it was for season three. No. And so it's just a different relationship in terms of the the masses, the throngs of people who are consuming the show to the show itself. And I think that impacts then the relevance that it feels like the kids have, even, even if that's not actually true. Even if they have just as many fans, there's just less conversation in part because there's more conversation about so many other things, right? There's right. just more taking up oxygen and air every day. It does suck for a show like Stranger Things that the conversation about Netflix right now is how it's, like, flailing. Right. Where, and that just, like, whether that narrative is good or bad for Stranger Things, I mean, I think it's undeniably bad. But moreover, it takes oxygen away from just talking about the show. And, like, it takes oxygen away from, like, the promotion they're doing. I, I think the, like, did they fumble it is, like, really interesting because also, you know, there's a Stranger Things experience in Times Square in New York. I walked past it a few weeks ago, and I was like, this is super weird. Who goes here? But someone must. Like, although, I don't know, tourism has been kind of dead, though it is back. Um, but I, I think it's just, like, a it's a really weird franchise where they probably never expected it to be this big and then didn't really know, like, where to go with it. Mm-hmm. And... I just don't think we'll ever see anything like this again. Like, I, I just I just don't. Because I, it's so hard to launch a new, wildly popular thing. Um, you know, a, a test will be House of Dragon coming very soon. And then immediately after that, Lord of the Rings show. What's it called? Rings of Power. Rings of Power. But we were just joking in a meeting earlier today. Like, so many of, like, the iconic cast of this peak TV moment, very few of them have gone on to do anything that has continued this, like, a meteoric rise. But again, that's the double-edged sword of really being a part of something iconic, is that you're so connected to it and so deeply associated with it that it does become difficult to forge a path to something else. Which is why it's kind of easier for Noah Schnapp to be an Instagram star or a TikTok star than it is for Millie Bobby Brown, although she's obviously done her own thing. But, like, that's a bad example. But it's, like, easier for him than Finn Wolfhard or Gaten Matarazzo because he doesn't have, like, his role was so much less developed and then he also just kind of sucked when they decided to bring it back for seasons two, three, and now four and five. That is just like, this is kind of an irrelevant character. You don't need to like, you don't, you, no one's going to really like care that much about Will, but you know who Noah Schnapp is. So you can like hard commit to Noah. Oh, wow. This is why I love Will. I feel like Will you is do? The, I just think why? he's the, because he's the heartbeat of the show. No, he's not. He oh, was he literally, is. he yeah. literally barely had a heartbeat in season one and the show was a huge hit. <laughs> that is <laughs> like, he's the, he's, he and Eleven. Eleven, are, yes. I think Eleven is the closest thing the show has to a true protagonist, even though I think the show kind of rejects the idea of a I'm protagonist. I really think it's Mike. Mike is the avatar. Mike's the 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 everyman. The Mike is the one that we're all supposed to be able to say, that could be me, right? Mm-hmm. I could be the Mike of my group. But I, I don't think Stranger Things exists without Eleven and Will. I, I, I would pause. And the buyer's family unit, I think, more, more broadly. Sure. And of course, then that connects to... You get into the relationship between Joyce and Hopper, right, in the expanding unit. And, of course, the idea of family beyond just bloodlines, found family, one of my favorite things in any sci-fi or fantasy show, as you know, Juliet. But because I just mentioned Hopper, I would like to talk about David Harbour for yes, a minute, if you'll, if you'll indulge me. As David, you know, so he's, David Harbour is probably the biggest tabloid fixture of this six-year era. So this is one of the things I wanted to throw your way. I know that the the prompt, the exercise was really about the 
the teens, right? But because now we don't know why Ryder obviously had years and years and years of extreme fame long before Stranger Things, right? David Harbour didn't. I, sh- I probably should have mentioned her at the beginning as like child star, but turns turned uh, like adult yeah. star. Yeah, but she, her road was as bumpy, if not bumpier, than Drew Barrymore. That's one of the things that the show has has done well, has right? Alighted. Is bring well <laughs> bringing in as adults actors who we associate with something. Yeah, like Carrie always from too. their childhood, Sean Aston, right? Yeah, Carrie always is in it, right? Yeah, he's a bad guy. David Harbour, yes, has become relevant in pop culture in a way that he obviously was not before Stranger Things. He credits Stranger Things with changing his life, which it did, right? Changed my life because he brought David Harbour into my (laughs) life, and I fucking love him, as you know. He, of course, does not have the level of, like, social media following or fame in that respect as the the youngsters, but he certainly has a following. You mentioned already the, the tabloid relevance with his, his marriage to Lily Allen. He was with Allison Sudol previously. He's also in the MCU now. He just played the Red Guardian so in Black Widow, right? He could be in numerous, I think, what the future of, of that exact set of characters and that sliver of the IP. Uh, uh, the pie is, is a, a little bit up in the air right now, but his character was like incredibly charming and winning. And I definitely think we'll see him again in the MCU. And so he will remain present in our lives for years to come in a really visible high profile mm-hmm. way, just because of, of Alexi. Forget anything else that might come of it. And so Again, like the adult and and child star thing is a completely different calculus. But like if we're doing the Stranger Things version of the Friday Night Lights, who will be the biggest winner? Who will be like most relevant from this, right? Like one of the arguments that we always have is I'm always trying to convince all of you that it's Kyle the Chandler. answer is Kyle Chandler. It's and not. you all tell me I'm wrong, and that's fine. We all say Jesse Plemons because that's the answer. And I understand. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> that it's, first of all, it's Michael B. Jordan, but sure, it, it's, I understand that it's not actually Kyle Chandler, but I think the fact that he is so consistently working and so consistently in projects that we're all consuming is a relevant factor. And I think that that will be the case for for David Harbour coming out of Stranger Things. I want to go back to Jesse Plemons versus Michael B. Jordan for Let's one second. First of all, I love them both. I mean, Michael B. Jordan is one of your all-time yeah, faves. I, yeah. I absolutely adore him. I... Loved him in Parenthood. Like, that's probably my favorite Michael B. Jordan role, which I know is ridiculous. Like, obviously, I, I loved Black Panther. I had a great time. I'm, I'm a human. I have a pulse. Like, it's a great movie. It's undeniable. Um, but I loved him in Parenthood. I just, like, loved him. I, lo- I love the East Dillon Panther- Panthers more than... Oh, my God. More than, like, basically anything. Like, I, I love him. Lions. You know, he's obviously hugely important. But I, I think that that's like another really good debate of like Michael B. Jordan is way more famous. Like his celebrity is so much bigger than Jesse Plemons. And he's had, I mean, being in Black Panther is a huge, huge deal. Creed, big movie. Yeah. The Wire, iconic, like incredible, incredible resume. But I think going forward, I think that Jesse Plemons will have like a far more interesting career. But that gets back to what we were talking about earlier. The distinction between celebrity and like an celebrity and yeah. 
achievement or accomplishment, right? Yeah. Because, like, Jesse Plummer was just nominated for Oscar, yeah. so it's difficult to argue against the fact that he is having a really successful acting career. Plus, is Jesse Plemons super, super, super famous? No. And, like, to be clear, I love Jesse Plemons. I love watching him in all of the stuff that he's in. Would you what say is your favorite Jesse super, Plemons super role? famous? I mean, I love Landry still to yeah. this day. I just love Landry and Tyra. I love Landry. I love him in Fargo. I loved that season of Fargo. He's great in Fargo. He's great in Fargo. And I enjoyed his Black Breaking, Mirror episode. Breaking Bad. He's really good in Breaking Bad. But to me, he'll always like. He'll, it, this is actually kind of an interesting. To me, he's example. actually the Breaking Bad role is is the iconic one for me. I know what? he's Landry, but Landry, you the first thing you think of is not Landry. Still, when you think of Jesse Plemons, that's actually Breaking Bad for me. I'm sh- I honestly shocked by that. I know it's kind of weird. I think it's because I watched Breaking Bad like in real time the entire run. Or uh-huh. with Friday Night Lights, I caught, I watched the beginning, I paused, and then I caught up. Okay, but also he's like so funny. He's not supposed to be funny, but he's so funny in, in Breaking Bad. It's like and like in the episode with the trains, like he's uh, like not supposed to be funny, but he is. I, I don't he know. has some memorable moments in in, <laughs> in Breaking Bad. That's for sure. I loved him in that. Um, anyway. I think that's just like a really good kind of like also encapsulates this entire conversation. Right. Also, I don't think those two are ever in a scene together in Friday Night Lights, which is also funny. There's like no way they would have overlapped. So it's just like basically they were on two different shows, though it was the same show (laughs) for a very short period of time. But back to David Harbour. Yeah. Give me your David Harbour thoughts. Don't care. Like, I just, like, oh I find him God. so uncompelling. I don't what? don't care about him. Like, he's nice as, he's nice as Eleven's caretaker and whatever and whatnot. <laughs> but, like, I didn't really care when he died. And, uh, uh, sorry. Oh, he, my. I know, he's not dead. I understand. He's, Wait, but are you, are you serious? I was, like, a fucking puddle on the floor. I was sobbing. Even yeah, no, though I knew. Yeah, I know you love Even him. though I knew, and I remember I have such a, one of my strongest Ringer podcasting memories is talking about that with Chris on The Watch. Had the privilege of joining our pal Chris Ryan to talk about that on The Watch. And I was, like, overcome. So, <laughs> overcome. The letter, Juliet. After he didn't, didn't get me, uh, pull, you know, air quotes dies right, and she, Eleven is reading the letter, and you're learning about, and she is learning about loss and letting go, and the path forward to like understanding and knowing that pain and suffering is part of life, but that if you have something meaningful with another person, then it can be something you hold on to no matter what. No, do you want that delivered in a Deus Ex Machina letter at the end of a season of a show you love? Yes. I thought it was great. I don't. I was like, whether they do a time travel thing or he got portaled through to the the upside down. He's been abducted by Russia. Any number of other things. Because, okay, I'll give you, now we're just spoiling all of of pop culture here. Uh, Quick MCU spoiler for Infinity War. And to be clear, I don't think that the season three finale of Stranger Things is on par with Infinity War. Genuinely one of my favorite movies of all time. Okay. But. Haven't seen it. Are you, wait. You you know that, right? No, because you told me that you I knew that you had basically missed all of Marvel, but you told me that you were you watched the Cap movies. I fell and asleep I in the first one. Assumed you were extending the Cap movies then to the Avengers movies. No. Okay, you have to watch. <laughs> this is troubling. This is just deeply dismaying and concerning. I but, I actually really loved WandaVision, but to this point, I hated when Paul Bettany's character, Vision gave that stupid line about grief and love. Like, that is so cheap to me. Like, I just, like, I oh, understand I, what you're trying to do. And I think that's cheap. But you, and I hope you'll forgive me for saying this, mm-hmm. you feel that way because you have, as you just established right here on this very podcast, no history with or emotional <laughs> investment in the characters, right? <laughs> Whereas I think that that, 
the see, I love that moment, of course, because it's coming. It's not just a platitude in isolation. That was coming on the heels of Wanda and Vision finding some sort of peace and understanding on the on the on the heels of loss after loss yeah. after loss for Wanda. She lost her parents, her everything brother. that ha- happened in Sokovia, her brother, the blip, on and on and on. This was. <laughs> when I was watching WandaVision the blip will come and they referred to the blip the kids I just thought it was like an earthquake or something <laughs> like a magical earthquake <laughs> wow that, where does Thanos rate on the Richter scale internet let us know the, re- the reason I brought up Marvel and Infinity War specifically is because there's a conver- there was a big conversation in the wake of that movie around stakes because of the blip which you just mentioned and the characters who snapped away they vanished they're gone and there were a lot of fans, and I, I think, to be clear, I think this was is a f- totally valid perspective to have. It's just not mine. There were a lot of fans who were like, it's hard for me to be really caught up in the emotion of this when I know for a fact that the bulk of the characters who just vanished are, like, at the heart of the future of Marvel, and there's no way they're not coming back. Mm-hmm. They're going to keep making movies with these, with these characters. For me, I was like, the experience of watching Steve Rogers and Natasha mourn together and spend five years failing to bring their friends back is a real thing that happened to those characters whether or not everybody who was snapped out of existence returns. Okay. Which they do, right? Sure. So those 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 feelings were real. And so I would make, again, while I'm not saying that season three of Stranger Things is on par with Infinity War, that's how I felt about that letter and that moment between Hopper and Eleven. The, the feelings are real. The experience is real. What you learn as you process that grief and you move through the next phase of your life without that person there with you who meant so much to you and shaped so much of that prior stretch of your existence is a real thing that happened in your life even if that person comes back. I, I get that, but like, I, fi- I found... I found That's how you'll feel when Joe Carey's back on Instagram. <laughs> like, the time that he wasn't on will be real for you. I was just going to bring up Steve. I, fi- I found the mall scenes of season three with oh, my phenomenal. Hawk. Yeah, they were incredible. That was my favorite Starport part. Starport Mall. They just were just incredible. In- and, like, totally incredible. Really but, great. Like, yeah. I think one of the reasons the kids are so enchanting and charming is because, and this is, like, core to so many successful things, but particularly in fantasy is um is the fellowship and the fraternity. And Absolutely. so and so like, you know, just thinking about the Goonies and Fellowship of the Ring and, you know, just all of the, the Avengers, I assume. Um I don't know though. <laughs> um Yeah. You know, and in, in in Captain America Civil War, Steve Rogers sends a note to, to Tony Stark that's uh, Captain America and Iron Man. Yes, says, I'm aware of that. We all need family. That's true. We do. You know the that Avengers I, are mine. You know that it's maybe more than mine. But you know that I take friendship and family like really seriously. Like those are like oh, yeah. really important tenets to me. And so I find the like earned moments of like the Starcourt Mall stuff like much much more powerful than these sort of like kind of um, like extent like these like storytelling devices that are like so transparent. But I also think. For me, that really speaks to the charming nature of Maya Hawk and Joe Keery and Gate Matarazzo. Like those are just three people that like I I like hope that their stars continue to rise because mm-hmm. they're so charming. I have no worries about Maya Hawk. I mean, she's good to go. She'll be in our <laughs> lives. She yeah. is fantastic. Really like great. what a wonderful young actress. I, you know, having nothing to do with the fact that her parents are also like ensuring the fact that she will be super famous and continue or not even super famous, but continue to work. But like 
those like that's what I like about the show and and why I think the the kid thing will is very hard to replicate. Like you have to knock the you have to knock the uh acting out in the casting out of the park. Yeah. Because you need to capture that like frenetic friendship energy of 12-year-olds. Goonies did the exact same thing. And though and like I also feel very similarly about Josh Brolin, although not knowing him as an adult who yeah. has been arrested for domestic abuse. But like Josh Brolin in Goonies is like intoxicating to me because he's like the handsome leader of this very great, you know, group of kids. I don't know. I just I I I don't I don't disagree with your your point about the fellowship and forging the bonds. Obviously, I, I agree completely. I think that for me, one of the real sources of magic with Stranger Things, one of the reasons that I feel myself interested in who the actors are and the cast members behind the characters is because that permeates, you know, if we if we visualize, you know, in season two when Will is just frantically sketching, right, the, the, the what he can, the now memories as they call them, right? And you see this like sprawling expanse that is reaching further and further into Hawkins, the expansion, the t- literally the ties that bind. The friend group is, of course, the most central thing in the show. But the fact that, like, Hopper and Eleven have built that family together is an amazing, beautiful thing. And the way that all of those plot threads connect is, I think, really impressive in terms of just the architecture of the show because we know that Hopper lost his daughter, right? So to build that connection and become a parent again for Eleven is this, like, seismic development in his life. Eleven doesn't have her parents, doesn't know early in the show, this is, of course, something that changes, who her mother is. And it's not just that somebody is putting an ego in a box in the woods. It's that they're learning how to communicate together, doing the word of the day, building their their secret knock for the door, or they're, they're using Morse code to signal to each other, right? 815? 815, like the the shorthand for just what it's like to go through the day and live a life with somebody else, right? (laughs) And again, all of that connects because that's their adult child version of using the walkie-talkies like the kids do with each other. So the community at the heart of the show, and I think this is one of the reasons that they've had a hard time actually expanding beyond Hawkins is because that group inside of Hawkins breathes so much life into the town. We feel like we care about the school and we care about the community around the homes because of the people who inhabit those homes. So... Season four, I think, is going to be a fascinating thing because it's going to open with all of them spread out. By the way, just to go back to the Will point for a second, this is one of the reasons I care about Will a lot. And I haven't gotten to season three in my rewatch yet, so this is like an older memory, not a now memory. (laughs) They would call it (laughs) a true memory. But there was something so painful in season three about Will having to come to terms with the fact that everybody else was moving on with their lives, building new relationships. You know, Mike and Eleven are dating. Like, everybody is figuring out what they're interested in on their own and who they are as individuals. And how do you do... And that's like a... a, You know, you you are in touch with so many of your camp friends, like, right? (laughs) Like, how do you maintain a connection to something that was, like, core to who you were during your formative years when you were growing up and also figure out who you are independent of that? Like, I'm really excited to see how the show continues to explore that because I think it's been great so far. And I think that'll be a new and interesting, like, evolving test for the young cast because it's a different emotional note. I can't wait to see that in season four. I'd like to end this where we begin this discussion. Not with Drew Barrymore, but you asked, are we overcomplicating this? Is it just really Bobby Brown? (laughs) They recently had the Stranger Things season four premiere in New York City. Yeah. Did you follow this? I followed it on Instagram. It was also, I believe that was when I learned that she is dating John Bon Jovi's son. Yes. Thank you. That's (laughs) that's what I wanted to get to. (laughs) 
Millie Bobby Brown is dating John Bon Jovi's son. His name is Jake. He spells They seem it. deeply in love. They, he's 20. She's 18. I think that speaks that speaks volumes, as they would say, in, as Jason Lee would say in Almost Famous. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. And speaks a lot to the milieu she's traveling in. So after all of that, it may be Millie Bobby Brown. You are correct. Wow. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> Mallory, thank you so much for joining me. If you enjoyed this, obviously check out Mallory on Ringerverse. Well, she and Joanna Robinson will be covering this extensively on House of R. Thank you to our dear producer, Kaya McMullen particularly because Mallory and I were acting wild before we started (laughs) being like old ladies who were uncomfortable before we started recording. So thank you so much, Kaya. (laughs) And thank you all for listening. Have a great rest of your day. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.